So what about what about me now? Because how am I going? Can you hear me all right? Yeah, I can't. I can only see you unless you. I can see the big D, but your uh, your audio is fine. Uh, everyone sees a big D when I'm about, but um, I <laughs> I just I turned my camera off because I think my internet's a bit slow today, and I I hopefully this will make it hold out. Wrestling should be fun. Should be fun. Wrestling should be fun. Wrestling should be fun. Should be fun. Wrestling should be fun. G'day, scholars, and welcome back to the Wrestling Should Be Fun podcast. This is episode four, and it is what the nerds are watching. I'm your host, Dom Philp, on the mic. Not too hard, not too soft, but just right. And we're coming to you free of charge on Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, wherever you get your podcasts from every single Friday. The best way that you can support is to rate, review, subscribe. That might sound like a catchphrase, but if you could do any of those three things, I am told that it really, really helps the podcast out. Not that we're trying to make any money here or anything like that, but I just would like to get some more eyes on what we're doing over here. So if you like what we're doing, and if you found us on Twitter, we've got 10,000 followers over there, why don't you tweet it out? If you found us on Instagram. Maybe you are enjoying the Ring Post News over on Instagram. There's fewer than 10,000 followers over there. Well, why don't you give us a little bit of an Insta story? Why don't you write to your mum? Talk to your mum. She misses you and she wants to hear all about the wrestling podcast that you've been listening to this week. It's probably number 98 on your list of wrestling podcasts, but hey, we'll work on changing that over weeks to come. Episode four, we're going to get straight into it because we're trying to run a bit of a tighter ship here. We're going to get to what the nerds are watching, but first up, a little bit of an apology from me. Throughout this episode, my internet, as you may have heard in the cold open there, was really, really struggling. So at times, I might just get rid of the bits where Dom Philp is talking. Hell, you get enough of my shit here at the start anyway, right? But everybody else sounds pretty good, I think. So if it sounds a bit weird at times, or if you feel like there's something missing, it's probably me because my internet is crap. Okay, let's get straight into it. And as always, we start off with what the nerds are watching. I've been watching you a la 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 long, a la 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 long, 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 come on. A la 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 long, a la 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 long, long, Wrestling Chicken Fun Podcast, episode four. It's what the nerds are watching, and this is what the nerds are watching. Lads, has anyone got anything they want to talk about other than AEW Revolution? What 1991 episode of WF Superstars did you watch last night, Ross? <laughs> you know what? I haven't watched Superstars for a while and I'm missing out really. <laughs> I suppose um, New Japan Cup, maybe. The Shingo Okada match was pretty big. ZSJ Gabriel Kidd, really good. Oh, cool. I haven't seen that one yet. Yeah, yeah, really good. I missed it all and I only woke, woke up in time to watch Tenzan against Osprey. <laughs> what? <laughs> How long? Tenzan was using chops. I thought that was like banned like two yeah. weeks ago. Yeah. yeah it, didn't get it, but yeah. In, in all seriousness, <laughs> this isn't really for the podcast, but how long did you sleep for on Sunday? Because like, oh, mate. I've never, I've never yeah. seen you ever have an internet black spot like that. <laughs> so I didn't go to bed till 9am just because I was just, I've had a bit of a shit week to be honest, guys. And wrestling was getting me right down with this whole progress shit. And, uh, couldn't really sleep because I was all a bit like, I feel, I feel a bit overwhelmed with it all, even though it's nothing to really do with me. But 
yeah and then when you guys had a lovely little chat about it i was sleeping (laughs) (laughs) um I, I mean, I, I completely empathise with that, to be honest. Like, I, I do understand. I think a, few, a lot of people feel the same at the moment. Um, I, I'm i sorry you didn't get a chance to come into our Sunday chat because it, it ended, you know, it was quite positive, really, um, about progress. But, yeah, it was good. But we'll, we'll, we, can, we can save some of those ideas until they have another episode. Yeah. Um, so Revolution, I, I just thought it was such a great show, and I think we've all kind of said now that, uh, like I just feel sorry that Moxley and Kingston were left out there in that situation. Yeah. I, I, I thought they, I, I really just thought that AEW would just have to like not show that ever again and then use like graphic effects or something to like cover it up. I, I don't know what they're going to have to do in the future. I, I, I don't think they can get away with that. I think I think they've, they've got to kind of try and retcon it. it but what, what's so frustrating to me you know these things happen you know whatever it was, it was a mistake but it's the easiest audible to call you just send kenny kenny and the good good brothers back out there and they're just like laughing and being like hi i got you eddie eddie runs out and then they do just some sort of like big spot on the ramp or whatever so eddie still gets taken out he's still defending his friend so easy like it just fucks me off like it's so unfair on on Partly mocks, but mainly Kingston. It just makes him look like an absolute chump, and it, it didn't need to happen. Spot on. I anyway. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you've you've booked it better than what I could have on the fly, but I mean, it makes perfect sense what you just said. But, but I, I'm an accountant. Like, I'm not a professional booker. They had like ten road agents with about a million years' experience behind it that should have straight away called that or probably something better than what I just thought of off the top of my fucking head. Like. It just pissed me off. But anyway. I think people, uh, a lot of people have sort of said like, oh, why did Kingston sell it? Because I'm sh- he had his eyes shut. He didn't know. <laughs> I didn't know. I'm, 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 sure that, I'm sure that the bang was still loud and they felt yeah. the fireworks go off. Yeah. They didn't know that it looked like shit on camera. Yeah. yeah. Eddie, Eddie's not at fault. Bryce isn't at fault. Mox is definitely not. None of them at fault. It's the people in the back should have done something and they didn't. It's... I mean, I thought I felt like it's such a shame because I haven't been that into a wrestling match maybe for a year, maybe longer. Like, I, I mean, I, I love those guys. I thought their first, like, the previous unsanctioned match was the match of the year. I, well, I'm, I'm obsessed with those two wrestling. Yeah. And I was obsessed again, and it just left me feeling empty at the end. I was mm. so sad about it. Yeah. Because yeah. I, I just thought everything else was great. I thought the psychology was pretty good. Everything was pretty watertight. Like it made sense. They did like tasteful callbacks to Onita and Funk. Yeah. Kenny's T-shirt. I'm going to buy if it's on sale anywhere. Really? It was such a, like everything I thought was just so good about the commentary was really good. Yeah. Uh, like Jr. actually sounded relevant with some of the when he talked about Terry Funk calling him. I thought that was really cool. Yeah. And then it just fizzled out literally. Sad. My particular favourite match of the night was the cinematic match. I thought um, the Sting and Darby Allen tag team match against Starks and Brian Cage was absolutely brilliant. Um, the cinematic style came across far more kind of Lucha Underground than any other piece that, that they've previously done. And Lucha Underground obviously smashed the cinematic style in the, in the past. I'm pretty certain that Darby Allen had a lot to, to do with it. 
Um, he's obviously a producer, a director of, of his own stuff. And I'd be amazed if he wasn't a large part of the production behind it. Do, do, do you think that Ross, because the setting looked like like a Tony Hawk level, or exactly? <laughs> <laughs> and, and the... I'm here for it. <laughs> you know, you know, you know what was beautiful was that I, I don't really know a lot about cinematography, but you know that one shot where Sting is in the ring with Starks, and then they like the the camera floats over the the bit that Darby Allen jumped into at the end yeah. to get to Darby and Cage. And it was just like this beautiful shot. And then also it set up the fact that there was nothing underneath that Darby could jump into at the end. It was just like, like I look at that and I'm like someone who laid this out to fucking genius. Yeah. I, I say my favorite moment of the night was in this match. It was the Will Hobbs wore a balaclava. <laughs> I don't know what the reason was that Will Hobbs wore a balaclava for the first 30 seconds of the beatdown. I think everyone knew it was Will Hobbs. Um, but I thought, wow, he's he thinks he's he's hiding something here. Brilliant. I just thought, I think Sting thought it was a max. Maybe thought he thought like Sting thought it might be a mask like Lex Luger coming to save it. <laughs> he's like, yes, it's like, oh no, it's not. It's Will Hobbs. I just massively felt that it, that in that match, everyone who was in that match came out of it for the better. Yeah. Um, Starks um, proved that that. Um, he can do a match like that. It's something that you wouldn't, necess- wouldn't necessarily put in his wheelhouse, but he, but he certainly played his part in it. And particularly at the start, he, he looked like a fucking Don walking into that car. Um, uh, Brian Cage had that spot where he um, walked the stairs whilst suplexing um, Darby Allen in like place, which looked amazing. I don't, I, I don't know if you guys spotted that uh, spot. Um, Darby Allen took some some insane spots. The one where he went like where he went through the pallet and the pallet fell on fell on his head. The cutting on that was amazing as well. The direction on that was amazing. And and Sting, they used him sparingly and hid all of his kind of slowness that he's now got. Hid it all. Accentuated the positives of it of him. How cool he looks in that kind of cinematic style. Perfect. I'm. I'm a big advocate of cinematic matches hiding the flaws of wrestlers such as Sting at 61 years old. I think that putting him in the ring in a 10 minute, 15 minute match is potentially catastrophic and, and doing this style hides any kind of problems there. I'm willing to hook as well. Hook what yeah. shit hook is, love it. It, it, it. it suits Sting's character as well, doesn't it? Like that dark, ominous cinematography. But then Hook was funny. Like I couldn't believe the pop that Hook got out of Tony Schiavone. Yeah. Tony Schiavone like gave Hook this thing. He's like, "It's Hook!" Like <laughs> I couldn't believe. I'm like, "Who the fuck's Hook?" <laughs> um, yeah, and he couldn't give it to Hobbs, could he? Because he didn't know it was Hobbs. <laughs> 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 I just, just a really super quick prop to I really liked uh, the the Shida, um, the Shida match, the the women's title match. That was really really good. Um, but yeah, that's that's my hot take. No more comments. Move on. <laughs> yeah. But for me, I, I, in in all seriousness, I thought that the rest of the card was almost just like too solid to comment on. Like it yeah. was just like, oh hey, another awesome AEW undercard with, with like a Young Bucks classic and you know a good performance from Jericho. You know, like I just felt like everything was really really good. 
I like that we've also not unpacked Ethan Page or Christian Cage, so we'll just leave them there. <laughs> Record that two weeks ago. Yeah, yeah, we've already we've already bigged up Ethan Page enough. <laughs> but and and uh, you know, for people who are subscribing to this on Apple, Spotify, or SoundCloud, they would be able to go back and listen to previous episodes. Yeah. So uh, so now now we need to call it in two weeks' time. AW are gonna. Debut a faction, uh, debut debut a faction with uh, Brock Lesnar, Sable, and Mark Mero. You heard it. <laughs> it's <laughs> it's called the Till Death Do Us Part Triangle. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for our main event of the evening. This week's roundtable includes Three is the Magic Number, The Sunday Pilgrimage in Camden, and Feed Connolly Moore. This is the Wrestling Should Be Fun Roundtable. Okay. All right, round table time, fellas. Main event of the evening. Uh, so this is where we all bring an idea to the table. We can discuss it any way we want. It can be as random or as normal as what we want. Um, and I think Matt Brummett's going to lead us off this week. Yeah, so I, I'm going to go with... Um, <laughs> knowing you, lads, you're just going to shit on this, aren't you? I think that any wrestling company, I don't care if you've got two, three brands, whatever. We'll call it a brand. I'll, I'll give them a little bit more, more, more leg room. Should only have three gimmick matches in a year. And that's any gimmick match. So ladder, cage, stell, um, yeah, but it, it, Judy Bagwell on a forklift match. Anything they want to do, um, money in the back. Well, I mean, money in the back should be rid of anyway. But, the, but any different, anything, or even a no DQ match, street fight, anything that's not in the normal rules. So you can have six men, eight men, tag, singles, whatever. I'll even go as far as saying you can have triple threats and four ways, whatever. But anything that's funky, anything that's hardcore, you do three a year. And that's not three of each. That doesn't give you three cage matches. That's one cage match, one ladder match, and one Judy Bagwell and a whole match. That's all you get in. Because they're just... Like, I'm not into any of them anymore. They just, I, I've got no interest in them. I just want to see proper wrestling. But if they did a few a year, it makes that feud shit hot. Like, it just, like, it would just be like, right, we're going to do, I can't even think of wrestlers these days, Triple H versus Sean Stasiak in a cage. And everyone will go, oh, that fucking feud's going to be massive. They're going to deal with it in a cage. But when you see it all the time, and I mean, obviously, it's not a hot take to say that gimmick pay-per-views are the worst idea ever so i'm not even going to cover that here but i'd even go further and just say strip it down you've got three a year i wouldn't yeah maybe what i wouldn't even do one let's let's take wwe as an example don't even do one at mania you can maybe do one at one at SummerSlam. one at i'll you know what the royal rumble counts for that i'm even going to count the royal rumble in that so that's your one gimmick match then you can do a big cage match at SummerSlam, and you can do a ladder match at battleground or whatever pay-per-view you want to have that's it what do you think lads yeah i think you're absolutely mental but (laughs) i 
I like I re I really like the idea of fewer gimmick matches, definitely. And I completely agree with you there. I think that three for me is too small of a number. Um I would definitely be willing to be rid of any sort of gimmick pay-per-views. I think that gimmick matches should be more of a surprise in a feud. By my, I did like a quick check. I basically went back through every pay-per-view for the past like four years. And I think, and by the way, I don't mean to pick on WWE, but they're obviously the biggest company and the like longest running Western company. So they're easy, easy to go to every, every, you know, AW as guilty of this, um, or all Western companies guilty of it. But I think it's Backlash 2017. So that's like four years ago. You've got to go back when WWE had a, a gimmick match. Like last time they didn't have a gimmick match on pay-per-view. Um, like, I just think it's like not include, maybe a Saudi show didn't or something like that, but like proper Western show, don't include Fatal Four Ways, all that stuff. I think you've got to go back to back like seventeen. I just, I just think it shouldn't be on every show. Like, I can get, I can maybe give you six, but I think that every show shouldn't have a, a gimmick match on. And especially not even just whole gimmick pay per views, but you should just have wrestling on most shows because it's a wrestling show, and then those matches mean so so much. I know Connolly, you just want to have missed in every match. Do you? Are you against this? Uh, I think I'm similar to Tom. It's more numbers. Like, I agree on the gimmick pay-per-views they can get in the bin, um, just because they're they're set at times of the year where the, you're then shoehorning feuds into the gimmick. Um, but I, I, sp- I think it's just one of them things where they're just doing too much of it. Yeah, but you still need it there as the option. I just, I mean, I'm in between like what they do now and what you're proposing. Basically, I still like the idea that there can be. A gimmick match on every pay-per-view if it's warranted whether it's you know just a I don't know four corners um strap match or whatever you're going to put out it just needs to be warranted and built into the feud I think it's more that WWE if we're picking them as the example just throw them out there because they need a stipulation or they need to sell the shark cage so we get three shark cage matches in six <laughs> like, I mean, that's like it's just their beast isn't it I, I I'm in the middle but the but but on that it's I know that like people say, oh yeah, you're building, you're building a feud, but I don't think all feuds are created equal. I think only, I, I think, I don't think it's like, it should be like the sign of a feud that like getting to its zenith, that it has that. I think because then you say, all right, all feuds are the same where you have two normal wrestling matches or three normal wrestling matches. And then you have a big blow off in whatever gimmick it's. I, I think then everything is diluted down. I, I, um, I, I've got, I've got a lot of opinions actually on the way that feuds work, but that's that's an eight-hour podcast. I'm gonna leave that. But I think the the fundamental piece is that you make a feud really important if you give it a gimmick match. Now it's like every feud gets a, even if you even if you get rid of the pointless gimmick matches that you guys like have, have, have pointed to, where they just shoehorn it in. Even if you get rid of that, every feud it almost like means gets a gimmick match. Only about three, four a year, I think, should be put on that because it's like this is a fucking blood feud. These guys hate each other. We need to deal with it in a different way to a wrestling match. And I think unless you do that, then they mean they just mean for me they're meaningless. They're just like, oh well, we've got to the fourth match of the feud, so it's got to be a you know a, a Rico on a pole match. It's fucking stupid. Um, anyway, what, what, and sorry, Ross, I know that you love the funness of wrestling, so I think I've just come and. Yeah. shit on your, your doll but I don't know what you think I just worry like how much like nuances you lose in your booking by limiting yourself like that because 
there's so many like little things that that I love about wrestling where like for example there's a feud a mid-card type type feud and the finish is say it's a um it's a roll-up but it's a pull of the tights and then the face has has like lost by a misdemeanor and then they'll come back the the next week and say misdemeanor the name of his valet sorry (laughs) (laughs) um and then the face can 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 come back and say you beat me with a cheap roll-up and you held the tights so i want the next match for us to be a submission match because i don't want it to to be a count of three on the mat i want you to, to like beat you to the point where you quit like small little nuanced stuff that is like mid card stuff i feel like the way that you would have to book yours is that it's, it's blood feuds and it's main event stuff and the mid card stuff becomes a little bit stale that's my I, little worry i'd actually go the other way ross a bit on that and say that um what you can actually do with it so let's say you only had three or four if you gave one to a mid card feud one of your, your big matches, that then people like go, oh yeah, that's make our fuse. Oh my God, that's really important. You know, um, I don't know the current WWE mid-card is, but like, I don't know, Nunzio versus G- Jamie Noble. That's going to be, you know, they're, they're going to have a, um, an Italian bull rope match. You're like, fucking hell, this is serious. You know, we've only seen Royal Rumble and Hell in the Cell, Triple H versus King Kong Bundy. This is a real fucking big match. And I, I think doing it that way is really important. And, and actually, on your first point, which, 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 is, which is spot on about how it restricts your book, booking, my attitude with creativity is, and this doesn't apply to wrestling, but the more you ring fence yourself with creativity, the actual more your creativity blossoms. If you give yourself a really open canvas, you end up turning into Vince Russo. Well, if you say, no, this is tight, you know, these are the parameters we've got. How can we get interesting in these parameters? What can we do? Then I think that's when creativity really shines in those shackles. Um, but that sounds like I've been to like a, a, um, a like a novel writing like club that they've, they've charged me too much money on YouTube. But I have like, even um, it, like talking of like British wrestling, like even uh, an amazing like storyline such as. Jimmy Havoc being booked in death matches to the point where he's like, no, I want to prove that I'm a technical wizard. And then they kept on booking him in those matches until it, finally he, he snaps and becomes the, the Jimmy Havoc that for two and a half years ran the show in British wrestling. Like you couldn't even book that. But that's the situation where I'd accept that Ross, because that is obviously an absolute defining... I'm basically I'm trying to backtrack from you proving my point wrong here. But, the, but that's I, accepted I, because, because that is obviously the defining thing of a company. And I think if you have something that, that's hot and it needs something like that, then that's fair. But I think just doing it because of feuds at that point is, is what I'm against. Yeah, yeah, so, so, to, to wrap this up, I guess, is that, is that three no's? <laughs> the severity. The severity with which you're trying to clamp down on special matches is where I'm drawing the line. Yeah, I think I, I think we were all in agreement that there could be fewer gimmick matches, but the idea of only three might handcuff us a little bit, we think. Um, and I'm sure that there's a lot of listeners at the moment thinking that you're talking Italian bullshit. Um, <laughs> <laughs> right, lads, okay. I'm not, right, to wrap this segment up, I want a number for each of you. How many gimmick matches are a company allowed per year? I've gone three. You've got to give a number. I... 
I, I I think you can stretch to one a month. I think 12 is the lowest I could go. Okay. Matt? Uh, I'm going to be boring and agree with Dom and give myself one a month. I might stick two in a month, though, and just have a month off. Yeah, yeah, that's okay as well. Yeah. Hmm. Ross, what are you going with? Um, I'll double the thumb at 24. <laughs> 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 uh I'm I'm buzzing for WWE to have an Italian themed pay per view with an Italian boy. Man. It's got to be <laughs> <laughs> Mamma Mia. Um, okay, who's up next? Uh, it would definitely be called WWE Mamma Mia. Yeah, I love it. I love it. It's got to be in Milan. Um, uh, Ross, you want to go next? Yes, mate. Um, as I mentioned earlier, um, I've had a bit of a shitty week with just like mental state not being great and wrestling not helping that in terms of just stuff that's outside of wrestling really but a massive part of it unfortunately um and i just wanted to like hark back to the good times a little bit and just talk about wrestling should be fun sundays and how much fun they used to be and hopefully will be again at some points in the in the near future um so kind of just a little talk about the way that uh we would do our sundays which would basically start with a Weatherspoons uh, brunch and pints uh, pre-progress and then a little jaunt over to the mixer um, to go and sit with the stinkiest dog in the world <laughs> <laughs> and uh, have a few beers there, talk about the show, talk about what's about to go down, but mostly talk about small little bits of our lives, mostly football so that Dom gets angry at us and uh, then go and watch the show then half time we have the mixer minute which Dom does on the Instagram and that's something that I really really miss Dom I'm, I really miss having you um, document each of the shows on Instagram I thought that was the absolute highlight of the Instagram channel it's a big shame that it's not a part of it at the moment because obviously wrestling's not on at it'll, the moment it'll um, be back it'll be back and uh, yeah then the wrestling itself um, and then a jaunt around Camden from the Black Heart to Simmons to Paulie Arms or wherever we end up or back at the, the Good Mixer and just basically great times with my mates, having beers, talking shit, sometimes crying with Dom. Lovely. <laughs> Often. <laughs> I, so, I, I mean, I, I, it became really a ritual, didn't it? I like it was almost, you know, like this. I, I I looked at it. I know this is completely dramatic and ridiculous, but I looked at it as almost like a pilgrimage to the like to the ballroom. It, it really became like this Sunday like ritual that we did. And we when for me, I'm like really a man of routine and I love to do things the same way every day. Like I never take a different street when I'm driving in my car. It's the same every day, you know, like stuff like that. And it just really became important that we did the same things every time. Um, what I'll do, I, I mean, I, I think we could do a whole episode on our favorite memories of Sunday progresses. Um, so, you know, but what I'll do is I'll give like one day that the routine was slightly different. That was probably the one that I remember the most. And that was the day that, um, we went, I came early and met up with Jake and Rob and then James and Ross in the Belushi's so we could watch Ben Stokes play the greatest innings ever played by an Englishman. Um, I think, uh, Brahma, you came as well. You were there early for Benny Stokes. Yeah, big time. Yeah, and I remember it was just, 
oh, I remember that being one that really stood out for me is just like, this is the what like true, honestly, one of the best days of my life socially of like just this incredible, like one of my heroes plays the greatest innings ever played by my, in my favorite sports team. And then I get to go and do my favorite thing in the world, which is what's progress after. Like it was just, uh, yeah, just an incredible day. So I just wanted to bring forward that one memory of one that was really particularly special for me, I guess. And I think for me, it was like, because I mean, I'm, I'm, as you as a group, I'm pretty late to the party. I think if you guys are the NWO, I'm Horace Hogan. But like <laughs> the, um, or, or disco, but I don't want to be fucking disco. <laughs> Horace Hogan had a five star match. I'm going to be Horace. Um, the, but essentially, so I, I basically, since I was like a kid and watch, watch wrestling, I was the, I was just a sole wrestling fan. None of my mates like wrestling fans. I, I bullied bullied some of my mates into watching it with me, but that was about it. Um, uni, we got um, uh, at football training one day, a lad turned up in a in an Eddie Guerrero t-shirt to training and I was like, fucking hell, this is amazing. And so, yeah, so, so me and Brim became mates and went to go see like early Martin Kirby matches in the Northeast and stuff. And then, and then when I got into the work world, I like... Um, Mate Raj, who actually listens to this podcast, shout out to him. We we, we were working to like, realise each other like wrestling. It was like, oh, this is just unbelievable having a mate that you can chat to about this. Everyone else at work thought we were mental, but it was it was just brilliant to have this bond with someone. But it was always like just singular mates that you go to stuff with, and that was lovely. But it was only until um, one of my best mates, Hall, started dating this um, big Aussie knobhead that was massively into wrestling and cricket that was like holy shit you know there's, there's a real world out there and he kindly indoctrinated me into you lads and it's just like nothing else just going to a wrestling show with a bunch of like like-minded lads who like had similar interests to you and fucking love wrestling and it's just it really like was like a, a big change for me I, I was quite I wasn't massively into wrestling like, I'd kind of become a bit disenfranchised with it all and just being able to go to shows with you guys was just absolutely amazing like I, I can't even put into words how it just it was like a completely new experience and like it's just like fuck this this is the most wonderful thing and those progress Sundays are just you just look forward to them all month they're just absolutely brilliant brilliant days I mean fucking work on Mondays is a nightmare but <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> absolutely brilliant and yeah really really appreciate you lads um, letting me into the crowd what well, you I think I came out of your shell once Robbo did his <laughs> <laughs> the I, I, I think I think the thing and you know like not not to this is almost like a season finale conversation now like where where we all get you know like we, we haven't had 12 beers to start crying but like the alone by episode four lads yeah <laughs> in a in in a, in a lot of cases I think the um like the the wrestling now it, it it did eventually take a back seat to just the friendship of the group now you know like i i, I feel that way um but yeah uh matt you got matt Connolly, you got any uh, special memories about those sundays i mean i can only echo what everyone's saying they're just bloody great isn't they like i i love getting down a couple of beers on the train into the mixer asking who's in the opening match but then not seeing it um <laughs> And then, oh, apparently it's this guy that wrestled once here. Oh, okay, I've heard of him against someone we don't know. I'm not going to see it. Um, and then yeah, like it's just a great, great day, great show. They're just like what Brum said. Like you just look forward to them all month. And it's yeah. yeah, hopefully, like you say, 
some point this year they return. That's the, the hope. I, like Ross has sort of mentioned, and I'm, I'm definitely going to keep it in because like this is a podcast about emotions and stuff as well, but like as well as just wrestling. But like Ross said, he had a bit of a rough week, and it, I think everyone can relate with that the lockdown. But I, so I'm a, I've said this every single episode so far. Tick- Dom, are you talking about the pandemic? Are you talking about TNA lockdown pay per views? <laughs> a bit, of, a bit of, but I think both of them share similar discourses and themes. Uh, the so, so like I like I like I was going to say I mentioned this every week and tick your bingo card. Dom is a school teacher, and I went back to school today, um, and like actually in the classroom, and I just had the best day of like positivity of being like, hey, this might end one day. The sun was out. The pub's meant to open in a month's time. You never know. Maybe, like, you know, later on this year, I'm I'm fairly confident that we're going to get back in the ballroom, lads. So, you know, hang tight. We're going to get back to it. And if you listen out there at the moment and you're still locked away at home and um, having a rough day, don't forget, there's wrestling and sunshine and beer around the corner. Okay? So, you know, hang in there, lads, yeah? Well said, Dom. Yeah. Um, so, uh, Matt. Matt Connolly, I remember. I keep forgetting we've got two mats. Matty C, what do you got for us on the roundtable this week? We don't have to go into a lot of depth. I just wanted to talk about Ryback for a change. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I just love him still. I just love Ryback. And I wanted him to win a title because I loved him then. I think that that train has sadly left the station now. But um, I'm always talking about how much I love Ryback and how he should have won a title here or there or whatever and overrating everything he did that was average to great. So I just thought I'd say that he should win something and you can all either tell me why I'm wrong or pick a moment when you thought Ryback was all right. So we'll go round. Ross, you're the most positive. That'll start as well. Ryback, thoughts? Um, I thought he was going to be champion when uh, he was part of the Shield storyline i really thought that they were going to go with him um but obviously they went with punk to hot to hold on to the title and then lose it to a people's elbow and then people lost their minds on youtube <laughs> um my memories of ryback are that he wasn't as bad as people have made out and i think that a lot of um the negative feedback towards him is based upon his tweets now which, which, which kind of, that's fucking just life now, isn't it? That your artistry isn't really remembered. It's more about the fact that you once wrote a tweet once, um, which is a bit of a shame. But I went back, actually, Connolly, to watch that match that you've always told us to, to go and watch, the Callisto match at WrestleMania. Yeah. And it's absolutely fantastic. It's great, isn't it? Really, he really. It saves his life. He stops Callisto dying. It does save his life. But I, but, but I must admit that, that, that looking at it, I feel like he would have just been one of those cha- one of those champions that is kind of like, oh God, do you remember when Ryback was champion? I think I think on reflection it was probably the right thing to do by not putting the belt on him. Um but I but I do rate him more than most, but I but I rate every wrestler more than most. <laughs> I am I'll, I'll let Don I'll let Don wrap this up because I'm obviously probably gonna be the most negative. Um the but I will say like Ryback was like legit over, wasn't he? Like I, like I don't think there's not many wrestlers that you can say about these days who are like a white meat baby face, but he was he was fucking over, like, and and I'll give him that credit. I wasn't really into what he did as a wrestler. 
Um, he'd have been up there in worst WWE champions of all time, I think, if they put the belt on him. I actually watched a Stan Stasiak match the other day. What not great, but yeah, he'd be he'd definitely be up there. The one thing that I will say about Ryback, definitely on the negative, it's I was thinking the other day about worst promos of all time, and I think his the secret promo has got to be I, I, off the top of my head. I can't think. I know there's the, the the one that people go to is Eli Cottonwood's mustache one, but that was sprung on him. Like I think that Ryback's the secret promo could could be the worst promo ever. If you if you look at all the factors in a promo, like what is it building to? What is it what does it tell you about the character, the delivery of it, like how it makes you feel about a person. I, I think it's got I think it could be there. I'm sorry Matt, but no, I, I think it's fair. I think it fits in with the character of Ryback just being a big dumb idiot though. <laughs> like because that was kind of his thing, right? Just okay. feed me. Just feed me, hit his head, stupid. Yeah, like, he, 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 you know, he, he got it. The, the worst promo, by the way, is um, in modern times, is Kalisto on draft. That's the best that, promo ever, isn't it? Uh, Dom, right back, any hot takes? I don't, I don't really, because I, I reckon I must have erased it from my memory, because I, I can't, I'm trying to scour my brain to remember something that he did. I, like, <laughs> you how long was he in WWE for? Because in my mind, it's like he was only there. He he like he debuted against CM Punk in a Hell in a Cell. That was like his first match, and then like he was gone after that Kalisto match. That's all I've got. I've only got those two reference points, and probably just because you've mentioned them before, Matt. Like I don't, I honestly I don't really have a memory of anything he really did, and. Like I, I agree with Brummett in that I he was super over. I remember that. He was white hot for a period of time. But it just like when he started like being on the entrance ramp doing the signal that you give to like a trucker to blow their horn, like I feel like that like ruined it for me. And I I think I just tuned out then. I'm I just I'm like, why is he like I didn't get it. I didn't understand that bit. But sure, I mean he was a big dude and he was powerful and well, like, he was good good to watch in a squash match but um, it, i mean like at the time if 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 he did beat cm punk i would have been absolutely fuming <laughs> um two i'll i'll just end my evaluation on two things to try and win you over uh the first thing was when he was on the pre-show a lot and he wore a weight belt that said the pre-show stopper uh, i liked that yeah that's uh, good and, and the second one was there was a second time when he was over like Roma for one night only. And it was during the um, Authority versus the World storyline at Survivor Series. And they built a whole episode of Raw around Ryback, who was at the time transitioning from heel to face. And the Authority just offering him everything to join. And at the end of the episode, Ryback turns around and just does the Ryback, smashes everyone. The crowd go bananas for it that Ryback's now on Team Good Guys. And that is like another thing that he did that was good. One of the five things. <laughs> I'll tell you what, if I might wedge something in quickly, I've remembered something that's actually like kind of weird about Ryback. Because when are we going to talk about him again? Probably every week because Connolly's here. Yeah, <laughs> that's the plan. Like, <laughs> feed Connolly more. But, you know, I, I was really surprised when I found out that Ryback like backstage was like best mates with Daniel Bryan. Like they, they yeah. used to like travel together and share a car and... Say, say that again, mate, sorry. Sorry, because they have that table for three with Ziggler where they talk about road stories, those three, yeah. Yeah, and it's like, like for me, that was just like a really weird pairing because I, I, like, I've got in my mind this like image of Ryback being, like, like you say, like a big meathead, like 
And then, and I actually have had the pleasure of meeting Daniel Bryan in person before, and he genuinely was the most polite, well-spoken, lovely man. Like, just like beautiful. Like, I want to take you home to mum, you know? <laughs> like, and, and I just, and I just could not believe when I heard that they were busy mates. It would make sense. If you look back at the past 20 years, you'd say that Brian and Ryback would be the two best work rate guys that WWE. Yeah. Definitely. There's the story of Brian taking, like, purposefully pulling up at, like, one in the morning at, like, vegetarian auction places just so Ryback can't eat. Feed <laughs> like, <as> a... <laughs> <Feed laughs> like, me less. Ryback would be like, can we pull in here? And he's like, yeah, yeah, I know a better place down the road. And it would be just a complete vegetarian place and he'd be fuming. <laughs> <laughs> my, I think my favourite memory of Ryback is not even in the ring. It's... um. Have you seen the episode of Swerved, where he and AJ, where he and AJ Styles do a prank on this like eight-year-old kid with like, with like signs, and it's the most beautiful thing. It's so so nice. Basically, um, he's this little kid is AJ Styles' his, like favorite wrestler, um, and uh, he's writing a um, uh, AJ Styles sign. And Ryback comes in and says hello. And he's like, oh, don't write um, an AJ Styles sign. Let's write that um, AJ Styles has terrible hair, or, like on a sign. <laughs> then, then, then he leaves and AJ comes in and this little kid's like, no, 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 don't look at my sign. Don't look at my sign. <laughs> <laughs> and then a AJ's like, who told you to write this? And he was like, Ryback. He was like, Ryback. So they cross it out, and it said, and 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 then it just says Ryback has no hair. <laughs> and then Ryback comes back in because he left his hat <laughs> and gives the kid a shell shock. <laughs> and, <they> give, <laughs> and it's just like a beautiful thing. And the kid like is just like so sweet and is trying to play nice to these two mass, like massive wrestlers. It's absolutely beautiful, and it made me think he's not so bad. There's shades of grey to everyone. It's good. <laughs> Um, all right, I guess I'm, I'm, up, I'm up last year. I'm bringing up the rear this week. Now, uh, people haven't had time to prepare for this at all. Um, I'm going to put people on the spot, right? So this week I'm coming out with a statement. Uh, I don't necessarily agree with it, but I think that there's only ever been one good tables match in wrestling history. And I just wonder, like, now, firstly, does anyone want to like have a guess at what the number? Because I've got the number one in my mind. What it is? Does anyone want to have a guess what the one good tables match is in wrestling history? Ross reckons he's got it. Is it Royal uh, Rumble two thousand? Yeah, that would be Royal Rumble two thousand. Hardy Boys versus Dudleys is the only good tables match in history. Um, can anyone prove me wrong? Who's got another one that was decent? Oh, the only other no. tables match that's coming into my head, and I don't think it's a good one because I haven't seen it. Didn't Sheamus win the title in one by accident? Yeah. So if, if you ask me the name table matters, that's the second one that I think of too. Seamus <laughs> yeah. versus John Cena. But I don't I don't think it was good because it was like Seamus six months into his career and Cena when they were doing, you know, like let's go Cena, Cena sucks black shorts black jorts time when he wasn't very good. Looking back, Cena is probably the greatest wrestler of all time. I I'm not trying to bury Cena like in hindsight, but at the time I I didn't think he was great. Um, the uh, only one I, I'm, I'm with, I don't remember loads. That you're more of an you're as well as much of, if not more of an ECW fanboy than me. 
Public Enemy versus Taz and Sabu? Was that like a tables match, double tables match or something? Was that was that that yeah. stipulation, or was it just a tabley normal hardcore match? Well, there, I I I know that there was that there was that ECW show called Double Tables, wasn't there? Is that when that? Yeah, yeah. Was, was it was it that was that match a tables match? I suppose in theory we could call that a tables match, but I I suppose it wasn't the WWE rules. I don't think was it where like you have to I'm put you sure. both the points. I guess we had the common theme of a tag team table match at least. Um, I to be honest, I can't. I've definitely seen that, and I remember the show, and I remember it, but I can't tell you whether if number one it was better than the Hardys versus the Dudleys at Raw Rumble two thousand, or two if it was actually any good. Well, she's got a pretty about eleven when it was when it was on, and I just absolutely just loved anything that was ECW. So the match was probably shit, but that's what I remember enjoying. Well, I I guess the I'll I'll let Ross go, but the other like wrinkle to it that I'd like to bring to the table, see what I've done there, um, is I just like the older I get, the more I realise that table bumps are a bit silly. Like it's it just becomes more clear that tables are used to break the fall. Like moves are cooler without tables, right? Is that a, do you, or do you guys still think yeah tables great? I'll, I'll I'll go one up from that. Do you know how like they like people like booze when the tables don't break? I think table spots look better when the tables don't break. Definitely, it definitely hurts. More. As in that is, is I think is a good spot. Like I think some of the breaking the table looks a bit cheesy. I think an unbroken table looks a fucking good spot. But I'm sure it also leads to injury. <laughs> <laughs> um, Ross, do you have any any insight? Do you remember any? Um, the two that come to mind are both female for me. The there was that pretty awful build where the um, the, the the where the riot squad put Jim the Anvil Neidhart's cut out on a table, at like shortly like shortly after his death, which was. Yeah, <laughs> that happened. Um, and then I think the first woman's SmackDown change was Becky Lynch lost to Alexa Bliss in a tables match. I'll yeah. take your word for it. I don't know. <laughs> <Maybe>. <laughs> uh, those, 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 those are the two that come to mind. And then I'm pretty sure, I might be wrong, but I'm pretty sure that like, the wall had a match where like they had to put each other through like it was like best of yeah. seven. Yeah, so that was <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. like there's no like, wall match that you can't. I'm not no. I'll tell you I'll, I'll tell you what it was. It was WCW Great American Bash two thousand and it was the wall versus Shane Douglas best three out of five tables match. Is that good? And and Mark and Mark Madden on commentary goes well, the key to any short series is pitching, and the winner of this match will be the person who can pitch the other wrestler through the most tables. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I I love that show. It also was famous for the um, Human Torch match with Sting versus Vampiro, and Sting comes off the Titantron onto the big, you know, high jump mattress. So, so that's two of three of the three um, matches that Brum will let you have. <laughs> and and Kevin Nash challenged for the title as well. I remember that show really well because I, I recorded it off the pay-per-view illegally and I used to watch it all the time after school. 
Okay, I'm taking the win on that one. No, no one named a, a good tables match other than me. <laughs> that, by the way, that that Shane Douglas Wall one is fucking god awful. Even when I was, 12, <laughs> yeah, even when I was twelve, I knew it was bad. Right. So we our, our aim to keep under an hour is looking possible here, but we'll 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 see how how long Brummett monologues for when we're doing uh, Book of Bingo. Let's get to it, lads. Here's Book of Bingo. E I N G O and Bingo was his name. Oh, this is Book of Bingo. Right. So I'm gonna sort it. Oh, right. Okay. I've got the spreadsheet up. Fucking hell, right? <laughs> like, Ross has got 800 odd names in here, and all the ones below this are ridiculous. Like, like well, not ridiculous, but like Mr. Fuji, Henry O. Godwin, Alison Kay, like Sergeant Slot, and not, not too bad, Glacier Show, like, not a lot to work with. The two top ones, she's <laughs> no joke, I've done this once. Mitsuhara Masawa versus Kurt Hennig. Oh, what? yes. No joke. That is one fucking sort. That is unbelievable. So not all three of you can just book a work rate classic. <laughs> or something. So, so I think, um, Conley, do you want to kick things off? Yeah, go on then. Um, so we all know these two could probably work a good match. Last week we all went for singles matches. I feel like this week we need a we need a gimmick. We need a cinematic match for these two. And uh, and what has happened is, Mister Perfect Kurt Henning has, has said to Masao, he's gone. Listen, everyone says you're the big cheese when it comes to the wrestling. I'm pretty good at the wrestling too. And I had one of my most famous matches on a plane with Brock Lesnar. So what I'm going to challenge you to, Masao, is a wrestling match on a plane. And we're going to be 10,000 feet above the air with parachutes on our back. And the aim is to throw your opponent out of the plane to win. But you also have to make sure none of the passengers who are on the flight die. That's my pitch for Miss Sauer and Henning. But who, who wins? Uh, Miss Sauer. Henning gets confident. He, he breaks the, uh, the emergency exit door, but Miss Sauer he, he scouts it and uh, and Henning falls to not his death because he is already dead. But in this world, he's alive again, but possibly could die again. There we go. Masawa lands the plane as well and saves everyone. <laughs> can, 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 you, can, you top, can you top that, the, the plane ride from heck? <laughs> probably not. Um, I think I'll probably have to play it safe after that. Um, and go with a with just a straight singles match. Um, I'm going to go with Mr. Perfect 1990, 1990, previous to his back injury, where he was still uh, still very much a work rate guy. He's going to have Heenan in his corner um, for this one, and it's going to be at. I think it's going to be at Madison Square Garden. This one, um, I would think that Misawa's going to have a ripple effect from the dirt sheets of of around that time people will 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 know who who he is and the and the MSG crowd are pretty clued up on these sorts of things so there's going to be a quite a lot of um clamor for it 
And I think it's just got to be a straight up work rate match. I'm, I'm thinking classic Madison Square Garden, 30 minute draw. I can't pick a winner. Um, and I think that the finish is going to be Tiger Suplex, one, two, ding, ding, ding. He, Heenan comes in with, with Mr. Perfect's towel, mops his brow, raises Perfect's arms, the, and the crowd boo. Um, and Misawa is showing the American audience the qualities that he shows, and he can go on to become the WWF champion in 1991 rather than Sergeant Slaughter and save Q8. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so it's my turn, I guess. Um, so my, my first thought was what Ross was sort of talking about with not the not not, not the uh, silliness at the end, but I, I think everyone loves, you know, 1990 Mr. Perfect and particularly the vignettes, right? Like, Everyone loves him throwing the football to himself and shooting the basketball from the half court and stuff. Like, so I love that. But because Ross has kind of gone that way, I'm going to go something different. I'm going to go for my other favorite um, Kurt Henning vignette, and that's the West Texas Rednecks singing um, I Hate Rap. I like country music. I love country girls. I like Willie Nelson, and don't forget about Merle. There's only one thing that I hate, because it's a bunch of crap. I hate rap. Um, now, so I'm going to have West Texas redneck Kurt Henning, um, and the the storyline is probably just going to be that Misawa um, turns up to WCW as like uh, a, a foreigner, uh, I don't know what the opposite of a gaijin is, but as a Japanese wrestler in WCW and Kurt Henning and the West Texas rednecks are pretty much racist, I guess. <laughs> and that's, and that's going to be the basis of the feud because they probably are. Um, if you, if you really wanted to push the envelope, and I, I guess you guys going to have to tell me if I should edit this out afterwards, but you could probably rework the wording of I hate rap to, put another word that rhymes with rap that's a racial term for a Japanese person. Um, and that could be the, the crux of the feud. Um, that's not and, okay, Dom, but they would have definitely done that in WCW. So that you <laughs> <think> that. <laughs> that's, that's what I, I mean. It's definitely on the nose now. And I wouldn't, I, I mean, I, 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 yeah, I wouldn't, you wouldn't get away with it now and you shouldn't have got away with it then, but still I, I do, I could see it happening. And I think that's going to be the basis of the feud. As far as the match goes, um, I, it's going to be uh, Kurt is going to put his working boots on one more time and do his best. He's going to um, work the heel. He's going to work a body part. Um, and then he's going to hit the perfect plex and Masala's going to kick out at one, elbow him 112 times and, and break his neck with an emerald flosion um, just because he's a racist and, deserves to be put in his place at the end and Masala celebrates. Um, but the problem is the WCW fans probably turn on him and probably cheer for the racists. Um, thunder, Dom? Yeah, it's got, definitely going to be on Thunder. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, with a run-in from Bobby Duncan Jr. So, but I, I mean, I mean, I think, I don't think I've quite nailed the match and the finish, but I feel like there's something here with the storyline. <laughs> I, I think, 
I think I think Dom, I actually I actually quite I actually quite liked your your finish of the perfect play sort of one kick out and the and the the, the flurry of elbows followed by the flosion. Um, I don't think he was using the you know it would have been he would have been using the flosion by by definitely by then actually um, West Texas Rednecks time. I, I think the match from bell to bell that I probably most want to watch is Rotters. I think that's the uh, that that would be that be. A peak one of those two. I've not actually watched it, but um, obviously I'm a bit of a, a not for, for for the listeners a bit of an old Japan geek, and um, I there is Kurt Hennig did fight Tiger when he was when he was Tiger Mask because interestingly actually Ross and yours in 1990 that's the year that ti- that Tiger Mask two becomes Masawa so perfect time for him to have a breaking out feud with Perfect which I liked as well. But in '88 they had a match. At the Kurrican for the AWA title, Hennig versus Tiger Mask, which Hennig won. I was a no contest, but I've not actually seen it, so I can't, I can't, I can't comment on it. But I know it happened um, when I did my research. So I did like that one, Ross. I think that'd be the one I'd pay most money to. But I don't, in terms of a winner, like Masao and Hennig <laughs> on a plane with parachutes is, is an absolute, you're not, you're not going to beat that. You're just not going to beat that. That is, uh, that's, that's red hot. Uh, the only issue with uh, yeah, I think you've got you've got to find the um, the timing for that because I couldn't imagine a pro- what who would put that on would FMW book that I'm not sure who would book that match but it'd, I'd, I'd be keen to watch it currently so I think you are the winner of this week's book of bingo so you Thank will be posting next week. Thank you very much. Well done, Matt. But, but great work all, I, all around. I completely agree. I think your booking was absolutely perfect. Winks again. <laughs> Dom's banned from next week's book of bingo. <laughs> Wrestling should be fun. Should be fun. Wrestling should be fun. All right, scholars, there we have it. Wrestling Should Be Fun Pod, episode four, done, dusted, in the books, had its shoulders pinned to the mat for a three count. Thank you very much to all the voices that we heard there. Ross the Boss Casey, Big Lady Cool Matt Connolly, and Captain Spreadsheet Matthew Brummett. Thank you, most importantly, to you, dear listener. We will see you again next week. Don't forget, if you would like to give any comment on any of the roundtable topics or anything else we've spoken about, give us a tweet, give us an Instagram message, let us know that you're listening. It would be absolutely fantastic. Until next week, though, this is Dom Phil. Drink lots of water. Look after your mates. Baby, baby.